0: I would say if the authorities didn't want us involved in the public square, they ought not to have crucified Jesus in the public square. Use humanistic principles. Well, the, I would say the same idea. idea. I would say same that. End.
1: I would say what's the problem with stardust bumping into stardust? In the in the
0: cosmic picture, no, there's no problem. In the All cosmic right. picture, it won't matter. No, Mr. President, you are not protecting reproductive freedom. You are authorizing the destruction of freedom for one million little human beings every year. I'm sorry, my friends, but I am tired of seeing Jesus presented as a weak beggar. He is a powerful Savior, and the
2: gospel is not a suggestion. It is a command.
0: Reverend Mola, don't you sympathize with that? I sympathize with every single human heart wishing to know the one true and living God, but I believe there's only one way that that can happen through Jesus Christ, and the gospel is about repenting of sin, not celebrating it. an amazing adventure. We will explore the spiritual abyss. you have not experienced this before. You are going
1: love it. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. First Peter 3.15, y'all, I said Preter, Preter. my mouth's not working today. It's a day it's, like that, right? It's, yep. My mouth is not catching up with my uh, my brain this uh, this afternoon. Hey, welcome everybody to the Gospel Heard Around the World. We are so glad that you joined us. You can get more at ApologiaStudios.com, that's A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A-Studios.com. Go there, get all access, partner with us in this ministry, and uh, let's get the Gospel Around the World together you get all kinds of great content over there and additional content apology academy monthly asks me ask me see asks <laughs> you can ask <laughs> going be your day you can ask me anything monthly ask me anything you also have all kinds of additional content there all the podcasts and if you haven't done so yet get bonson you for free it's a seminary education in your pocket with one of the greatest in the history of the christian church bonson you for free uh, thank you to the Bonson family for entrusting us with that amazing treasure. And uh, we're so glad you guys joined us today. We're going to be talking about apologetics. Would you like to know how to defend your faith? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to play some clips. Mm. We're going to hang out with you guys. We may even open up for some questions uh, live for those of you guys that are in the feed right now. And uh, I'm Jeff the common and Ninja. That's Luke the Bear. What up, though? Over there is Zach hey, Conover. Uh. He's the director of communications for End Abortion Now, by the way. Pray for End Abortion Now, and please go to endabortionnow.com to get your church signed up. Go save lives. Abortion is still happening all over this country. It is not over yet. It is only really just beginning. Uh, of course Roe is out of the way. That helps a little bit, but it still gets us to the same place that we said we always needed to be. And that's establishing justice and equal protection for all humans from conception. And I just want to announce, can I can I just say this? Luke and I were just talking about this yesterday. And then I'm gonna kick it over to you because I know you guys have stuff to say. I do. And we have good good news for you guys too. We just actually before this taking a little while. We had to film a little commercial and uh Gabe Green was just taking forever in the back. And so <laughs> see Gabe Gabe Ruth. <laughs> He wasn't really. Um, But we're going to tell you some cool stuff we have. But uh, you know what's great about this moment? It's sad, but it's also great. It's sad, but it is great. Sad because um, Roe is out of the way, and now you have, of course, the leftists and the pro-aborts doing their best right now to make sure that uh, abortion is codified as law, federal law even. And so Joe Biden has been making it very clear over the last uh, couple of weeks, but especially over the last week, that he is working to make sure that Roe is codified um, as law, federal law, which... I said, of course, is sad because it is uh, those who hate me love death mm-hmm. and they hate God, so they love death. And in this case, particularly the death of the preborn in the womb, the most innocent and defenseless among us. However, um, it is great because it actually is a vindication of something we've been saying to you all along. We've been saying it for years, and it was one of the things we try to constantly communicate to legislators who were putting in bills for us. More bills are coming, by the way. Uh, I'm going to announce more near the year end uh, where those states are and when those are coming in. But so we even have a trip coming up in a couple of weeks here. We're going to meet with some legislators in our teams uh, in one state. Uh, but we've been saying for years that Roe v. Wade was not the law. It never was the law. Congress creates law in a nation, not the Supreme Court. And so it was a fallacious court opinion that the states had the responsibility, a duty before God and their citizens to resist and to establish justice in the states. Just like in, in the time of um, uh, the issue of slavery, you had the Dred Scott decision and the states resisting the Supreme Court's um, evil, um, wicked opinion. Uh, they had a duty to do that. So our state should have done that. But Congress creates a law in a nation on the Supreme Court. And we've been saying for a long time that Roe versus Wade is not law. Proof, proof, proof now is that what, is, what are the pro boards trying to do right now? What are they trying to do? What are they just saying out loud, plainly, we're trying to codify Roe, even though it's gone now, what Roe said, as federal law. Because guess what? Roe was never law. Wasn't law. It's was a court opinion. And if the states wanted to agree with that, they should have created some legislation that agreed with it. They should have created law. If the federal government, Congress, in this case, agreed with Roe, they should have created legislation that said they agreed with it. That would have been law. Technically in our nation, but a court opinion is not law, legislation. That's something that's in a different category. And in this case, the proof of what we've been saying for years is in the fact that right now, our president is trying to codify Roe versus Wade as law federally, meaning it was never law. And so um, it's a duty of of the Christian church to rise up, establish justice, protect the pre-born. And that's what we're going to be doing. So go to endabortionnow.com and give... There. We need you to financially give. Um, we operate as a ministry of Apologia Church on pennies, pennies compared to the massive budgets of the pro-life establishment and industry. And let's just be honest. They resist bills of equal protection and establishing justice and abolishing abortion at every turn. They have made it their official position to resist uh, establishing equal protection for all humans. That's not what we're doing. We're trying to end this and trying to get it behind us and move on. We're not creating an industry. We're not trying to create a business. We are trying to establish justice as the Christian church, equal protection, and then move away from this issue. That's what we desire to do. And so we need your help to do it. It actually does cost money uh, to do this work. Going to a different state to um, work with the churches, to create the groundwork, to get with the legislators, um, getting these churches who are going out to save lives, kits for free and training for free to do what they're doing to save about 10 babies a day. Uh, on average uh, that costs money and we need you to be a part of that ministry with us and so sign up your church to go save lives get free training free resources we want nothing from your church we want to give it all away to you and uh, if you guys want to be a part of this with us please go to endabortionnow.com to give luke so speaking
3: of sleepy joe i may or may not be coherent today um, sleepy luke <laughs> not that i'm sleepy it's just that my brain's on overload right now um, because we have reform con 2022 and a week from today, and we're on the final push, push with mm. all the last-minute details of things. And I, my thoughts are swimming up above right now, and <laughs> um, some are drowning. And yes. um, we just tried to film a commercial uh, for ReformCon.org, and I wasn't even sure what year it is. So yeah. Yeah. it was fun. What's um, my name? Yeah, I don't know. 2022. Uh, so, uh, But you should come. Uh, we have tickets available still, and uh, it's going to be really awesome. That's all I got. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) We actually just announced, um, and you'll probably we have some nifty gifties. Some nifty gifties. And I'm gonna let you
1: say it because I totally butchered it when I tried to say it. Nifty gifties. Here's what we've got. So I know um, the economy is very challenging for all of us right now. There is a shortage apparently of eggs across the country, Um, and they've known about it for some time, but it's starting to hit us now. We know that there's going to be some wheat shortages, stuff that's going to trickle down to us, all those sorts of things. We know how expensive gas is right now and inflation, how hard it is to go to the grocery store right now for many of us. Um, and so many of you guys couldn't make it out, and we totally get that. We thank all of you guys who sacrificed so much to come out to be with us, to be here next week at Reform Con. Uh, we're excited to, to to do this with you. Uh, very excited to create a conference experience that's like no other. Uh, definitely better than Fight, Laugh, Feast. No, uh, most no, def. no matter what. Um, but uh, <laughs> what was this? hashtag? Hashtag. Uh, most deaf. Most deaf. <laughs> um, but uh, some of you guys can't make it out, but you wanna you want to get this this teaching that's been prepared and this whole experience. And so we have a live stream. Yes, we have a live stream, and here is the good news. So, um, if you want to just get the live stream, you can go to reformcon.org. Go under tickets. Just get the live stream. It's ninety nine ninety five. Correct. Get the whole weekend. You get all that stuff. Ninety nine ninety five. You get the live stream. But you can also partner with us in ministry. And here's what we do for all of our all access ministry partners. Which is make- ideal. Everything that we do possible. If you see all these people coming to Christ out of the cults, all these people coming to Christ out of atheism, these babies that are being saved, all the teaching at Apologia Studios you need to know that that is actually through our ministry team and our partners who are part of our All Access. You're making it all possible. So from the baby that I saw that was saved the other day because someone just randomly came across our content when they were going to the abortion facility and now their baby's alive today, to the people coming out of Mormonism to Christ, the whole family's coming to Christ out of Mormonism because of this content, and that's the truth. Um, You're a part of this, so we wanted to bless you. So here's here's what it looks like. If you've already paid for and uh and donated for an all access annual subscription for 2022 you've already done it um you know where whenever way back um you get the live stream for free check your email Um, it's in there it's in there now if you're a monthly partner with us if you're a monthly partner with us in this ministry you make it all possible we want to bless you as well and so um the team came up with something that would work and so we're giving all of our monthly partners with all access 50 percent off the live stream check your email uh please check your email because all the information's in there However, if you are like, man, I really want to get that live stream, I'm not all access, got good news for you. If you go to ApologiaStudios.com right now and you sign up for an annual all access partnership um, thing with us, you are going to get not only all access and make all this ministry possible, but we're also giving you the live stream for free. So if you want to get the live stream for free um, and get all access, just go to ApologiaStudios.com. Double whammy. ApologiaStudios.com, sign up for the annual all access, you are going to get all access for the year, and you're going to get the live stream for free. Yes. And if you're like, man, I'm, you know, I can only come to one day of the conference, but I want to come, guess what? You can also get a day pass. ReformCon.org, under tickets, yep. day pass. And if you're a pastor and you're like, man, i got to get this stuff, and I want to get fellowship, and I want to get encouraged, and I want to bring this stuff back to my church body to encourage them to get to work in the world with the Word of God. But, you know, it's difficult for me because I'm a pastor, I get it. And so here's what we're doing for you. If you're a pastor and you want a seat, we're giving you a seat for free because we want you to get encouraged. We want you to get filled and we want you to go home and fill your church with this truth so that they get to work on the mission of the gospel. And so pastors uh, right now, we are giving scholarships away to to get you in a seat, to get you encouraged and filled. And uh, that's what's up. That's what's going on. Lots of things. Yeah.
3: So email for that, for the scholarships, email team at reformcon.org. So it's going to be good. We're going to have our main sponsors there who I want to make sure I don't forget to mention. So uh, Armored Republic, love those guys to death. They're going to be a huge part of what what we're doing at ReformCon. David Reese is going to be at the after party, um, which is going to be a really cool opportunity for people just to chill and hang out with us for a couple hours. Um, He's going to be doing a lot throughout the conference. Um, They're super, super awesome. And they're, Partnering with us in the fight for Liberty and then of course uh, New St. Andrews College and Moscow, Idaho will also be Dr. Ben Merkel will be there and um, speaking and so his wife Becca will be doing some stuff with sheologians and We're very excited. We're thankful for their partnership and if you're gonna go to college and don't want to come out dumb you should go to New St. Andrews.
1: New St. Andrews. Good, that was my ad- good ele- That was NSA, my eloquent. Yeah. NSA.edu <laughs> so, that you're not dumb. Yeah. Yeah. so that you're not dumb. Not that NSA. That's a tagline. the tagline. Hashtag not dumb. Don't be dumb. NSA. NSA.edu. <laughs> That's good. That's, that works. Yeah, it does work. NSA. Oh, don't be dumb. dumb. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah, I'll yeah. I'll have to run that by Ben see if I he know. likes it. All right, so let's talk. (laughs) Here we go. Uh, We're going to talk about apologetics. Uh, Last week we did a little bit of a discussion on apologetic methodology. We talked about foundations. We talked about that charter verse of Christian apologetics that I just did at the beginning of the episode today, First Peter three fifteen. And Zach uh, astutely pointed out that uh, it is often forgotten uh, that there's something before the words that say "always being ready to give a reasoned defense." What's an apoli- thing? An apologia. It says, first to set Christ apart as Lord. And uh, James has done some good talks on that. Pastor James, Dr. James Weiss done some good talks on that particular verse, really uh, pointing out that what Paul is doing there is actually referring to Jesus as God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you set him apart, sanctify kurios. Christ as Lord as kurios, mm-hmm. and as Lord as as Yahweh. And, uh, and then you're always being ready to give a reasoned defense. And so Christian apologetics begins with fidelity to Jesus Christ. And that is to say... At the start of this discussion of uh, Christian apologetics and defending the faith, we need to make sure that we are Christians, Christian apologists defending the Christian faith, and Jesus says, you are either with me or you are against me. There is no neutrality with Jesus Christ, and that's a key issue here. Apologetics has to begin that reasoned defense of the faith with Christ set apart as kurios, as Lord, as God, and then you proceed to defend the Christian faith. Christian apologetics starts off with fidelity to Jesus Christ, recognizing that there is no neutrality with Jesus. You're either with him or you're against him. There's no middle ground. And so what's really important for us as we start this discussion to defend the Christian faith is that we actually talk about discussing defending the faith as christians yeah. not as neutral neutral parties trying to just right. figure out where the evidence is going to take us you know not defending some a uh, general theism yeah. you know it's amazing to me is that when we have this discussion people will um oftentimes sort of re- react to are you saying that that there are christian apologetic apologists who 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 don't defend the Christian faith as they're they're doing Christian apologetics? Like, are you really suggesting that that actually exists? If you want, I could search the videos where they explicitly say that, that I'm not defending the Bible here. I'm not defending the Christian God. I'm just defending a general theism. Um, And let's just see where the evidence takes us to. Because, you know, let's just say you start... Using philosophical argumentations, whether it's the cosmological argument or the teleological argument, you just you're using arguments, but you're saying let's in a neutral way. I'm not saying Jesus. I'm saying we use this argument that says that you know every effect has a cause, and we can't do that with infinite regression and go back and back and back. There has to be there has to be an initial first cause, and say that the atheist grants it. And go finally goes all right you got me it is too obvious that there's a design there's design in the universe. It is too obvious that you've got to have this uncaused cause or this unmoved mover great I'm going with Buddha
3: <laughs> or aliens
1: right or fantastic you know I'm gonna go over with uh, I'm gonna go over there with uh, with Islam I like that one like what have you really accomplished in, in at, at that point? Because and I think you, you, can, you can reason through that to say, like well, if we're not reasoning from the beginning with the call of the gospel wrapped up in our apologetic, apologetic methodology, we'll get to that place. If we're arguing from a position of neutrality with Christ not set apart as Lord, we can get to that place where we're just throwing out evidences and trying to see what sticks on the unbeliever. And one of the things that Dr. Bonson used to say is that we don't, in our apologetic endeavors, in our defense of the Christian faith, want to be found as enemies behind lines. Mm. Meaning that I am actually assuming the pretended neutrality that the unbeliever assumes, or using his principles or his methodologies, as I'm trying to point this person towards theism, Mm. Right. Because that's, that's not what we're trying to do as Christian apologists, as those who are defending the Christian faith. We're not just trying to get people to believe some general theism. What did Jesus do when he came to crowds of people and calls them to come to himself? He says things like, you have to come and die. You have to take up your cross. You, you have to love me more in comparison to uh, your mother, yeah. your father, your sister, your brother. you got to come die. Count the cost and come or don't come. Like that's how Jesus calls people in crowds to come to him like that. He doesn't placate to them. He doesn't placate to their fallenness. He just simply says, come to die or don't come.
3: Give me a try. Give me a 60 day trial. Rick Warren said that
1: 60 day trial. I couldn't believe it. I was sitting in Christmas time. It was years and years and years ago. It was Christmas time. News was on Rick Warren's on. And he actually suggested to people that they, uh, they try Jesus out for, I think he said 60 days, 60 or 90 days. Give him a try, give him a chance. And you know, he thought that was a wonderful suggestion. That's not the gospel that Jesus preached. And that's not the way that you actually get people to understand the call of Christ, the command of Christ to repent and believe by saying, try him out. No, it's total submission. It's unconditional surrender. Mm-hmm. That's what it means to come to Jesus Christ. A lot of people don't like that. They're like, oh, that's tough. Like, how are you going convince, to convince the rabid unbeliever to, for unconditional surrender? Man, we got a problem understanding the gospel if we think that. Because yeah, that is the call of the gospel. You come to die. Or you don't come. And uh and so we can't play neutrality. And that's the that's the start of Christian apologetics is no neutrality, abandon the myth of neutrality and recognize, and this is it, and I see you want to say something, uh, Zach. Recognize that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So say so the great benefit of Christian apologetics that are faithful and consistent is that you actually get knowledge. According to God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so if you want knowledge, if you want understanding, Scripture's really clear. It starts with God, and it starts with the fear of God. And so isn't it great to understand that according to God, if you start your with fear of God, reverence, submission, and awe before God, you get knowledge, you get understanding, and it's the fool who says in his heart, there is no God. It's a powerful thing to start in the discussion of Christian apologetics.
2: I think that's where it does start, is yeah. ultimate commitments starting points, um, what you're committed to, what you won't relinquish, because the unbeliever has those things too. They have things that they won't relinquish, just Mm. like we do. Um, I was going through Van Til's Apologetic, which has got commentary by uh, Greg Bonson in it. It's a really awesome starting point for the discussion, but he says something that's pretty profound in here. He says, um, um, as it turns out, the apologist, that's the Christian, defends what the theologian has learned with the tools and insights refined by the philosopher for the evangelistic purpose of seeing the unbeliever's heart and mind changed. So he's talking about the relationship between apologetics, theology, evangelism, philosophy, right? They're not uh, unrelated things, they're interrelated. All of these tasks come under the common umbrella of applying God's word to the hearts of men. This is what we were made for, to receive God's word and apply it. To our life. so that's one thing I love about um, this approach to defending the faith. Um, not only is it consistent, not only is it faithful, it demonstrates fealty, obedience, loyalty to Christ, but um, it's not disconnected from the theological foundation of what we know to be true, which is what's grounded in Scripture. So, in other words, theology can't be separated from apologetics and evangelistic methodology right? and engagement. All of those things are related to one another, um, interrelated. And so, um, like he said, the, apolo- the apologist defends what the theologian knows. Mm-hmm. And what does the theologian know? Well, his knowledge is based on God's revelation. And mm-hmm. so that's what informs mm-hmm. the manner of engagement, like you pointed out, from the beginning. And I think that's where a lot of people trip up, is they're willing to go a mile with the unbeliever and say, okay, I'll play along. I'll surrender this ultimate commitment of Mm -hmm. being a Christian just temporarily to get you where you need to be. But what they don't realize is um, they've done what, you know, Proverbs 26, 4 forbids us from doing answer, not a fool, according to his folly, Mm -hmm. lest you be like him yourself. Mm -hmm. And so you are entering into that foolishness because you're commanded to love the Lord, your God with all of your mind. And so when you don't do that, you're being dishonest. Uh, from the from the outset and really introducing dishonesty into this whole endeavor, but uh, Twofold apologetic methodology Verse five answer a fool according to his folly lest he be wise in his own eyes So there's a commitment that you have to maintain the ultimate foundation But then as Bonson goes on to explain you can actually step into the unbeliever's system of thought and demonstrate Do an internal critique and show them where that thought logically leads to um, So it's not contradictory. You're entering into it at the same time and showing them this is where everything leads to, which is nowhere, if you don't start with God's truth. Yeah.
3: Um, Without getting us off subject, did you see the cover of the new Bonson book coming out? No. No other standard? Nice. Theonomy and its critics?
1: Oh, good! From uh, it's, uh, American Vision, right? Yeah. 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 No other standard. The Anatomy of critics. Critic. Uh, That's can't good. Wait for that. Yeah, yeah. I've got that. That's by Bonson. S- That's by Bonson. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, it's an oh. old one. They're you know they're reprinting it. Oh, yeah. they're reprinting it. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I thought they were putting a new book out.
1: Yeah. Thank God for American Vision. Yeah. Bring back all these. Oh, I love it. Like American Vision classics. Yeah. American dot org. Good stuff. Thanks them. to Gary Demar for all he's doing. The work he's doing. Um. <laughs> so yeah, the the question. When you're okay look you're ha- think about it in this in in this way you're having a discussion with say your standard fair naturalistic materialist everyday atheist today right he rejects god's existence or she rejects god's existence and they say you know um, they just don't believe there's enough evidence for god and uh, they, they think that book over there that bible is just filled with myths and contradictions they think that uh, Christians are irrational. They uh, they think that you know Christians display the uh, the foolishness of their own position by all the hypocrisy. Uh, this displayed regularly from Christians, and so they got a moral issue with Christians and how they live their lives and the hypocrisy that's inherent and all those those sorts of things. You're talking to that person and making all these claims about what's right, what's wrong, how you ought to live in this world, problems with myths and all the rest. And they, you know they appeal to science and evidences and they just want the truth. And what's amazing here is that oftentimes Christians will sort of like uh, you know placate to those things. Buy into the emotional appeals that the person is, is you know, making at the time and just not think about something that's rather profound. Uh, and that's that they don't have a right to talk like that. Mm hmm. Yeah. Right, like I, I the the person puts so much pressure on the ignorant Christian. And when I say ignorant, I don't mean that offensively. I mean ignorant in terms of they haven't thought these philosophical things through very much. They put so much pressure on the Christian. The Christian feels the need mm. to actually, so, oh shoot, I, I no, this really is true. Let me see what I can do to convince this guy. Yeah, yeah. And they start to just being like, okay, well, well, tell me what you need to know. Like, what do you need? Like archaeological evidence? What, what do you want? Do you want? Uh, Sh- shucks! Do you want like some historical proof? <laughs> shucks. <laughs> shucks! Do you want some historical proof of the of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? I can do that. Do you want to? Do you want to see that the Bible has actually been transmitted faithfully down through the centuries, and we can get back to the autographer and exactly what the original was through these, you know, the free transmission of the text, and then you know, we've got over five thousand Greek manuscript pieces and copies in the New Testament. We've got the early church fathers quoting from the New Testament We could piece it together like that. We got all these, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of translations from the Uh, the the original Greek text into other languages. You know, we've got more testimony from our New Testament than any other work of antiquity. And our manuscripts come closer to the time of the writing than anything else. And what do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about cosmic ripples? And do you want to talk about, uh, you know, uh, you want to talk about the the design, the clear design? What do you need? Do you need evidence of design? What will satisfy you? Maybe we can look at human DNA and look at the fact that, you know, at the bottom of all human life is words, Right? Like, it's an actual language. It's information. And if you take out any of those letters, you've got gibberish and life isn't possible. Like, do you want to see, like, evidence for design at that level? If you stretch the human DNA strand out, it goes all the way out to the moon sort of a thing. Like, what do you, what do you want? Like, do you, what do you need to see? Do you want to see the complexity and design of all of life and the systems that operate in the world to show clear evidence of design? And people just throw, throw. And it's like, wait, hold on. All those discussions and evidences are actually amazing and they're obvious and they're everywhere, but we've, we almost miss something completely. They assume certain things. <laughs> and that's that yeah. they're not supposed to be talking like that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, why are you asking me to abandon my commitments, my commitments to God's self-attesting authoritative word, right? Why are you asking me to to abandon my commitments to a self-attesting yeah. word which gives me the ground to make sense of all of your challenges. Even the emotional appeals of the hypocrisy in Christians. You know who talked about hypocrisy a lot? Jesus. Jesus talked about hypocrisy a lot. And so I've got a basis with Jesus as Lord to hate hypocrisy. Why? Because God cannot lie. That's from God's word. God cannot lie. I'm made in his image, which is why I obviously hate it when people lie to me. That's why we hate hypocrisy, because guess what? God's not a hypocrite. He's the reference point for truth and not lying, which is why image bearers of God have this instinctive repulsion to, like, liars. And you shouldn't be lying. You have to tell the truth. Where's that come from? Oh, if I stand with Jesus, I get that. And I also get the emotional appeal you're making about the hypocrisy of Christians, and I can actually acknowledge what you're saying. Yeah, I know. It's horrible. It's horrible. Jesus hates it. We ought to hate it. I hate it. I hate it myself. We need to put this to death. But you know what? With Jesus, I can make sense of that emotional appeal. I don't know why you're making it though. And when the atheist starts saying, you know, I want to believe things on evidence and proof, I'm like, man, it's weird. It's like almost like sounding like you're a Christian. Like you, like, it's like, you know, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. Like there's an actual standard of truth. There's objectivity in the realm of the question of what truth is. And you're acting like you've got that in your worldview, but you're a naturalistic materialist. You believe that all of us are cosmic accidents. You believe you're just stardust. You believe there's no meaning in the universe. You don't believe there's any absolute standard of truth to begin with. So what are you doing appealing to all of that? Mm -hmm. It sounds like you're acting like God is, and you just don't want to know him. It sounds like you're acting completely consistently with what God's revelation says about you, and that's that you're self-deceived, that you know the God that I'm talking about, but you just don't want him because you're a rebel. Because here's the deal. You're acting exactly like the rebel. You're the man. You're the man. You're acting like the rebel that the text referred to. God said that this is precisely how you'd live in his world, and actually what's amazing is that what you're doing corresponds with what he actually said. You're living inconsistently with your own principles and your own presuppositions. You're living inconsistently with what you ought to be doing if your worldview were true and your commitments were true. You're borrowing from my worldview in order to attack my worldview. You're talking about things Uh like myths. The Bible's filled with myths. You know, if you read the Bible, you would understand just how how it is that Christians hate the idea of myths. (laughs) Because the Bible doesn't purport to be anywhere near in the realm of things like mythology. It's historical revelation, God acting in history. And the whole idea of myths is something that Christians are commanded to resist. Right. And so if you hate myths, man, you'll love the Bible, but apparently you don't. So and that's why coming is that? From
3: someone that says we came from an explosion or yeah, fish got, or got monkeys or, or something.
1: Inorganic matter <laughs> becoming organic. As if mythology was a problem. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. You you believe that uh, bacteria somehow in a long chain of, of things th- with no meaning and no purpose, sir, no purpose came into this right here. Like you believe that like, you know, no information created information, Right. Information came from that, like it's, it's, but we're the ones that believe Information's in Information's
3: just chemicals.
1: Yeah, right. But anyway, so you, you get what I'm doing. The point is, is that when it comes to a position of Christian apologetics, if you stand with Christ, if you start your thinking with the word of God, fear the Lord's beginning of knowledge, if you start there, then you get the fountain of knowledge that the unbeliever pretends to want, but resists at every turn. And so what we're saying it's is... Yeah, the nature just, exactly. of, their, of their
2: position is they, they're standing on the very things that they can't have. Right. They're professing one thing, standing somewhere else. And like you said, that part of the apologetic methodology is to say, you're in the image of God, and that's the reason why you're appealing to these things right now. Um, but it's borrowed capital. Yeah. Right? You're, Explain you're the,
1: that. Borrow capital.
2: So the unbeliever is wanting certain things that don't comport with his uh, worldview. Right? So... Um, you know, for example, he wants to make appeals to things like the dignity and value and worth of human beings, right? He says that you can't hurt human beings. Well, you ask him, why is that? Mm. Is there something valuable about human beings? Uh, Well, yeah, well, according to what you have instructed us about what human nature is, simply the, you know, random result of evolutionary processes, and, you know, the fact that we are just, uh, you know, cosmic accidents, etc, etc. That's not a tenable thing to hold to dignity and worth and treating people with respect and loving your neighbor and, you know, helping the old lady across the street and, you know, doing all of these things that that benefit humanity. There's, there's nothing to ground that except uh, something transcendent. And that's how the truth of God is established is it's established transcendently. You talked about the tr- uh, transcendental argument for the existence of God that stretches into this discussion. It is that, Things like uh, worth, dignity, value of human beings, that can't be accounted for unless it has a transcendent reference point. So when I say borrowed capital, um, the unbeliever is appealing to things that don't that his system does not give him the right, right. to appeal to. Um, and so he must put one foot in the Christian worldview and say that, yes, human beings are valuable. Well, because they're made in the image of God. And yet I deny God with the profession of my mouth. Mm-hmm. But I want these things over here. Mm-hmm. I, I have to have this in order to even stand, to begin with, to yeah. make an argument that it's wrong to hurt people.
3: Well, I think a perfect example of this, and not to, again, derail the conversation, but there's been a lot of talk lately about this Dahmer series on Netflix, right? Like, I haven't watched it. or heard it's just hard to watch in graphic, but like, a lot of people are very upset about this.
1: No,
0: I won't watch it.
3: You know, but why, right? To go along with what you're just saying, why are you, especially if you're an atheist, why are you upset about this? Why are you upset that Dahmer killed in eight people? Why is that a problem for you? Why is it a
1: problem? No one gets angry when rocks bump into each other, falling down a mountain. You know, I mean, think about it. Those rocks are random results of evolutionary processes in a long chain. When one bumps into another and breaks it, no one sheds a tear over it. So, what's the difference between these other random results of evolutionary processes? And someone could just come up with all kinds of excuses that don't provide any ultimate grounding. They could say, well, I personally find it icky. Great. Your likes and dislikes are
0: irrelevant
1: in a universe without... The Christian God. They're irrelevant. It's just your personal preferences. Some people don't share your personal preferences. And guess what? There are other random results of evolutionary processes, and you're not in charge of them. You don't have the same brain. You don't have the same nervous system. And maybe they actually enjoy hurting other people. You've
2: lost any appeal to obligate them to conform to your standard because there is no ultimate ought. Right. There isn't a universally agreed upon way that they should behave. Right. right. There's nothing to ground that. Mm-hmm. Right. You might be able to appeal to a society and say, well, the majority of people have decided that, you know, it's wrong to do this. OK, well, what about a different society that rises up that says that it's not mm-hmm. or says that it is yeah. OK to do that? What, what's exactly what's right. the odd? So they win. Yes. They have more numbers. More numbers. What can, you're saying the majority is
1: with them and they can enforce the, it. If, if, you you can, if you can get the majority to believe that slavery kidnapping and enslaving black people is a good thing, then according to that perspective, it's a moral thing. There's Mm -hmm. no ultimate behind it to appeal to. Nothing's transcendent in that position. It's It's just sort of like the whim of the people at that moment. At this point in time, people really enjoyed this. At this point in time, they started not to. And so like it's moral, it's immoral. It's moral, it's immoral. Nothing's transcendent. God's law doesn't work like that. The law of God is based upon his unchanging eternal right. character. It's not situational ethics. Right. His, <laughs> the, the transcendent law we appeal to in God's word from his revelation comes from his mouth. So there's your certainty. It's the revelation of God himself. But it also, his law is, is, is coming from his own character. And so, like, for example, um, God is love. That's defined in scripture. Love does no harm to its neighbor. And so when you think about the Christian ethical system, it's coming from a transcendent law that's objective outside of the Christian. It doesn't even matter if the Christian likes it or not. Whether we agree or not. Doesn't even matter if you like it, right? And, and this, by the way, I'll, I'll be the first to say, to, in agreement with the atheist, I think that the, the modern evangelical that poo-poo's you know, particular, you know, issues of the Old Testament. Yeah. is like, well, I don't really like that anymore. Like, I'm a New Testament Christian. It's like, well, you are inconsistent and honestly foolish. You're making God look like a, a sinner. Because, like, you know, for yeah. example... You uh, can do an internal critique on the Christian, too. <laughs> Christians make mistakes, too. We all do, but we got to be corrected. Someone said the other day um, that they were, like, horrified that one of the videos we put out, I was refuting the pro-aborts who were saying, like, we should just be able to kill children at will because of rape. And so, of course, I push on that. Okay, well then, from your perspective, what's wrong with rape? Like, I know why I think it's wrong. I got a basis to believe that it's absolutely immoral and that the rapist actually deserves capital punishment. Now, why do I believe that? Because it's Jeff's personal thing, like he feels like that works for him? No, I believe that because God says in his word, like he defines it. This is so evil. It's so much an injustice perpetrated upon another image bearer of God that the answer to it. If there's proof and evidence, right? And it's, it's real. The answer to it is capital punishment. Like, that's what God in his revelation says. So Jeff Durbin, Luke, Zach say, that's the word of God. That's justice in that case. The modern evangelical hears me in a debate with the pro board and goes, Jeff, you just affirmed capital punishment. <laughs> that's not in red letters. That's not pro-life. It's like, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. It's the most pro-life Scripture thing. Scripture yeah, says, you shall not kill. Mm-hmm. Rotsak, murder, it has to do with the unjustified taking of human life. Moses literally goes, you should not kill. God said that. And then within the space of a few verses, he tells you what to do if someone does kill in an unjustified manner. Right. Right. And that's eye for eye, tooth for tooth, life for life. In other words, he says, and it's not, look, it's, there's, there was no, no one goes, hey, Moses, that's a contradiction. <laughs> like no one did that. Everyone understood. No unjustified <laughs> taking of human life. And if you do... If you do, this is the just response from God. Is The just response is that the state executes the person who went so far as to do this evil thing, like rape, like murder. But the modern evangelical doesn't want to appeal to the law word of God. They don't want to appeal to God's revelation. So they go, well, I just personally, am, I'm not okay with capital punishment. And Pastor Jeff, you told people like, you believe that rapists deserve capital punishment. Like, I, I don't think that's right. So my response to that person is this. Okay, quick question. Um, There's many ways of getting at this. But here's a quick question, humbly. Please answer this. Um, Was capital punishment, when God decreed it, (laughs) capital punishment, when he commanded it, was it just or unjust? Think about it. Was capital punishment, when God commanded it, was it just or unjust? They're not going to say unjust. Okay. So if somebody says...
3: some Christians would.
1: Well, if somebody says... (laughs) Well, and then yeah, then we go. Have a nice day. You yeah. Know? Yeah. If if they said okay, it was just great. So are people still murdering people now? Yes. Does the state does God still require the state to execute the sword of justice? Yes. Okay. So people are still killing people today after Moses, after Jesus. Does God want us to do something that is just or unjust in their case? Well, He'd want you to do something just. Has already got. Has God already defined what's just when it comes to murder and rape and those sorts of things? Yes, he has. In his word, he's revealed himself, and God is unchanging. His standards don't change. His standards don't change. Do we want murderers and rapists to know Jesus and repent and believe the gospel? Yeah. That's different than the obligations of the state for victims' rights. Justice must be done. That's what God says. Justice. What we don't want is to apply a standard of
2: injustice. And in order to say, come to that position that says absolutely no capital punishment, you have to assume a lower standard of value on human life than God holds himself. Mm. Because God himself says that this is how valuable people are. Yeah. This it- is how valuable. I place no secondary level of protection on people. Mm-hmm. That's how valuable they are. If you unjustly in the life of this person, you have forfeited your life to live. That's mm-hmm. how valuable people are. Mm-hmm. That's how valuable image bearers of God are. And so mm-hmm. if you're going to assume a position that says, no, that's unjust... You now have to take a, a subpar view of human life, yeah, and its value,
1: yeah. And so I know we're this. This is your yeah. little tangent, little tangential. Well, no, but, hold on. Now that's you're right, yeah. Except, this is my talk for ReformCon, is that actually the revelation of God? is not just for church. It's not just for it's um, atmosphere. It's yep. not just not just for what we do in the walls of the church. Not just for our worship. It's not just. uh talking about like uh, the, you know the, how you know letting God order how we do worship within the walls of the church it's not just talking about our, our songs and those sorts of things actually the revelation of God is over all of life yeah because Jesus is Lord this is the word of the living God and so the revelation of God is the place of certainty for every single realm of life yeah.
0: everything
1: yeah. so guess what? This Christian apologetic methodology is just resting upon what we are supposed to believe as Christians anyway, and that's the revelation of God is supreme. Sola Scriptura, the principles in Sola Scriptura, are actually the very things, the core of what's in presuppositional methodology. Yep. It's this; it's just the core issue. The revelation of God is supreme, and it goes everywhere. So what do you want to talk about? You want yep. to talk about the the, the, the civil sphere? sphere? Yep. It's there too. You want to talk about philosophy? It's there too. You want to talk about homemaking? It's there too. You want to talk about child rearing? It's there too. Education? It's there. Hey, art, the arts, creation, business, all that. It's the revelation of God that's supreme. The question is, by what standard? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, God says. That's really where it's That's the
2: question everywhere. It's not walking into the church and just asking by what standard. That's very important. It's walking out into the world in every area and saying, by What standard <laughs> shall we live?
3: Yeah, that's right. I was a for uh, Colossians 1 Christ came to reconcile all yes. things to himself, yes. not some things, yes, not just cr- church things, church things, yeah, you know, not just spiritual things, all things, yeah. So, well, you're right, it wasn't such a tangent after all.
1: Can I tell you, I just, I, how do you, in I, I'm Max. How do you get this bar to go away in the bottom here, so I can play this video for everyone? I couldn't
3: tell you. You can't tell me. You're, do you know Mac? You're asking the wrong I person. One. Are it you a Mac man? I know it very well. How do
1: you get the bar at the bottom to go away? Are you a Mac daddy? <laughs> I, I would have Are thrown
0: that daddy? through the wall already.
3: So I,
1: okay, hold on. I'm, so I'm just going to do my best. I, apparently, I I don't know how this works. So I'm not. I, I'm only just recently getting into Mac. Full screen that? Maybe? I can full screen go. it, okay. but then the 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 stuff at the bottom there is still there, and it looks kind of cheesy. But I want to show everyone this. This is uh, Dr. William Lane Craig in his own words talking about well, we brought him neutrality at the beginning of the show. So yeah. let's let's that's kind of the key thing we're hanging on right now is yeah. the revelation of God is supreme. God's the starting point, he's the foundation, self-attesting word and revelation. This is Dr. William Lane Craig. The man is more brilliant than I'll ever be. Sure. He's got a he's got a greater mind than I'll ever have, and I really mean that. Um, however, I believe he makes some serious mistakes. You can have a great mind and you could be as, I mean, just the guy is brilliant and still make a lot of really bad mistakes at the beginning that start to work its way out in methodology. And so this is Dr. William Lane Craig talking about, well, let's see
0: it, here we go. I encourage unbelievers not to think of the Bible as divinely inspired. Over 50% of evangelical pastors think that the world is less than 10,000 years old. Now, when you think about that, Kevin, that is just hugely embarrassing. We're not arguing for Christianity tonight. Uh, I haven't presented an argument, a moral argument for Christianity or even for the God of the Bible. Over half of our ministers really believe that the universe is only around 10,000 years old. This is just scientifically... It's nonsense. You ought to rejoice in my argument tonight and just say, I'm going to be a theist, but I'm not going to be a biblical theist. We're not trying to disprove Allah's existence. We are arguing for generic monotheism that is affirmed by Jews, Christians, Muslims, deists, and theists of many sort.
1: And and here's what I hear.
0: General theism. I want to bring you
2: to a God that can't save you.
3: Yeah, exactly right. That one hurt. That actually caused me physical pain.
2: No.
1: No,
3: the one about the Allah one. They all (laughs) hurt. Yeah, but that one especially was like,
1: oh. Yeah, I want to bring you to a God that doesn't exist. Lawrence Krauss, famous physicist, atheist. Are you certain that God exists? No. Really? Do you act like that in church when you're worshiping? Do you tell your kids about Jesus like that? Like everything I'm saying to you right now? Mm, Could be. Not true. No thanks. I'll be honest. I don't want that kind of Christianity. There's not a grounding for truth. No, that's not, that's, not, that's not how the apostles preached the gospel. That's not how Jesus preached the gospel. That's not how the word of God comes in the world. Let's be honest with ourselves. That apologetic methodology, that kind of neutrality is just simply not Christian. You can't classify it as Christian. And look, I'm saying this as somebody who from very early on was very, very focused upon Christian apologetics in, in my my relationship with Christ, Bible college, you know Norm Geisler, I read William Lane Craig. It was part of classwork to read these guys. I was in that realm because I was just I knew how, how overwhelming. The evidence and testimony of of Christ as Messiah and the Word of God as the Word of God and God as Creator. I knew how overwhelming all that evidence was. And so I just wanted to learn it, master it. And by the way, I still love that stuff. I think it's amazing. I still read that stuff. I think it's incredible. But in terms of a foundation, a foundation for arguing for Christ and and all that, I mean, I think you can see the contrast there. Here you have William Lane Craig, famous Christian apologist, um, not certain that God exists. And arguing before the public that he's not trying to get you to believe in Jesus. Just a general theism. That's not the gospel call. No thanks. Hmm. That's not Christian. And I mean that with all due respect, but let's just be honest with ourselves in terms of what's faithful and consistent. That's not faithful, nor is it consistent.
2: We just have so many foundations in Scripture otherwise too. Acts 2.36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. Luke 1.4, when he's talking about the historical record um, uh, of Theophilus, this gospel that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. First Thessalonians 1.5, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy spirit and with full conviction, again, conviction, um, certainty, Colossians 2.2, 2, Talking about the believers' hearts, that they may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Hebrews 6.11, we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope to the end. So there's so many places in scripture that really, I mean, not only act as um, an epistemological foundation, right? Like how I know what I know, this is how I know truth. But that knowledge of truth is what is supposed to get the Christian to the end. It's what it's what's supposed to carry us, yeah. and so that we persevere. And so, if our foundations are are off there, if if we don't have a basis for certainty, if we can't know that, then we can't finish well. Yeah, it really has implications for the Christian life, not mm-hmm. just
1: defending the faith. Very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, super chat question, K Roach. Thank you for that blessing. And you asked a question, Pastor Jeff, how do you respond to law-observant Christians, specifically addressing dietary and social laws, when we follow portions today, but not the entire law, not as a means of salvation, but a means of obedience? Great question. So I would say, first of all, you have to start this question with the law word of God from the Old Testament. It's one revelation of God. We have two testaments, but one revelation of God. It's the same God. It's His revelation. And so when you look at the Old Testament, One of the things that God says about his law is that it's just. One of the things that he says about his law is that it's good. One of the things he says about his law is that it's actually eternal in duration. Read Psalm 119 to see how God feels about his law. One of the things you also see is that one of the blessings of the New Covenant was that the law of God, the Torah, was going to be a part of the blessings of the New Covenant because those laws would be internalized, Ezekiel 36, Jeremiah 31, 31, but also that the law would go forth to bless the world with justice and righteousness. You've got uh, Isaiah chapter 2, the nations are going to stream up to God's mountain, and the Torah, the law, is going to go forth from the people of god into the world you've got isaiah 42 the promise that the messiah himself was going to establish justice in the earth he wouldn't grow faint or weary until he's done so and that the coastlands would wait for his torah so much for the law of god being irrelevant in the new covenant we could keep going with this but let's just move into the new testament the new testament makes it very clear jesus says in matthew 5 17 through 19 that he did not come to destroy. Do not even let it enter into your mind. Do not even begin to think. Don't even get the germs started in your mind of the <laughs> thought No germs. Uh, that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. And then he says that if anyone teaches um, anybody to even disobey the least of these commandments, you'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So that's how Jesus feels about the law. The Apostle Paul, in the very same section, Romans chapter 3 and 4, where he's describing that you cannot ever be justified by the law. It will only shut you up before God. When he says that, that we maintain, Romans three twenty-eight, that a man is declared righteous, justified by faith, apart from the works of the law, he says literally within a space of a few verses after that, he says, do we then make void the law through faith? So here he says, ready? You cannot... Be justified by the law in any way it is through faith alone apart from the works of the law he then says so do we then void the law through faith he says establish it no we actually establish yeah. it so actually justification by faith alone in Christ alone establishes the law and you see throughout the New Testament the inspired Apostles and writers Uh, just assuming the abiding validity of the law word of God um, after the resurrection and after the ascension of Jesus. They assume it's abiding validity. They appeal to animal husbandry laws. Don't muzzle the ox while it treads the grain. Well, that's weird. We got to obey that law. Yep. You take the general equity of that law and you apply it into paying people who are working for you. Yeah. You see that the Apostle Paul quotes things from the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord, first commandment with promise. You see even an appeal to things like, um, well, okay. So uh, we, we brought it up, so I'll just throw this out there just so it's, it's, it's a part of this discussion. Acts 25, the Apostle Paul appeals to capital punishment while he's doing this trial thing he actually says if i've done anything worthy of death then i don't object to dying he affirms the goodness and justness there are things worthy of death (laughs) of the, the fact that there are things worthy of death so he says as an inspired apostle post cross post resurrection the work of christ is done new testament's in effect he says what he says if i've done anything worthy of death i don't object to dying so that's good so the inspired apostle apparently believed in capital punishment under certain circumstances. He believed that. Um, but when it comes to the question of, okay, but what about some of these people today that say, well, like, I'm, I, I see all that, so I guess I got to obey everything in the Old Testament. I would say we need to read the New Testament. Ephesians 2. Exactly. The New Testament writers tell you to assume the abiding validity of the law, word of God in their writings by just appealing to it as though you're supposed to know. this. You're supposed to know this. They just freely... They just freely pull from animal husbandry laws, uh, laws of justice, don't receive an accusation against an elder unless it's the base of two to three witnesses. They appeal to the law, they just just sort of, oh, oh yeah, you're supposed to know this too. But they tell you where that law of God from the Old Testament, wherever it's from, That was meant to be transformed under the new covenant has been transformed and they give you, they give you explicit reason as to why. Mm. So for example, uh, you have examples and I think this is the best way to put it where these were training wheels. We're in the new covenant. Now they're off. Right? Like, so for example, there are laws of the Old Testament in terms of the people of Israel, how they were supposed to interact with the foreign nations, how they're supposed to dress, how they're supposed to eat, dietary restrictions. And those things that they were told to do were actually things that were supposed to teach them about being separate. Uh, to avoid syncretism. Don't blend the fibers together, different fabrics together. Don't blend. That was supposed to teach them. It was training wheels. Be holy. Be holy. Don't be like the surrounding nations. Don't blend their practices into your practices. And I want you to do this down to your clothing. But now that we have Christ filled with the spirit of God with a finished atonement and the new covenant itself, we don't need training wheels anymore. Training wheels are off. Training wheels are off, guys. Although holiness still applies. Holiness still applies. (laughs) But the training wheels are off. You don't need to do those things anymore. For example, Ephesians chapter 2, the apostle actually explains why the holiness code is actually now done away with it was meant to be this dividing wall it was meant to be something that actually kept the jews distinct in so many ways from the surrounding nations but now the gentiles and jews are being brought into one body those training wheels are off now we are one body in christ we are all together and those training wheels are not necessary anymore because now we have christ we have the new covenant itself spirit of god within us and the law written on our inward parts Mm -hmm. And so we don't need the training wheels anymore. So that's why I had bacon last night.
3: <laughs> that's why you love shrimp too.
1: Yeah, oh, gosh, I, I hate shrimp. Yeah, an, another sea, sea cockroaches. <laughs> you know, another S- disgusting sea boogers. <laughs> You don't like seafood? <laughs> I, it, only, way, only way I could do that is if like, I was sitting around a campfire on a beach with Jesus and Peter, and he was like, take and eat. Yes. And then I'd be like, okay. okay." <laughs> but no, Joyful I, obedience.
2: Joyful obedience. Another great example of this, too, is we're going through uh, the book of Hebrews right now, chapter by chapter in our reach group on Wednesday nights. And teaching through it, we're talking about the Melchizedek Priesthood of Christ and how the Aaronic priesthood was really just a sign and a pointer to a greater priesthood. It was supposed to give way that shadow was to give way to the greater substance of what Christ does with that office. And so explicitly in the text in Hebrews seven, I believe it is the author of Hebrews says that, uh, this is the criteria of the only one that can hold this priesthood. Now he continues on the basis of an indestructible life. That's mm. what makes him different mm. than, uh, the man who had to offer the sacrifice even for his own sin, Hmm. not just the sins of the people. Here's the office that Christ occupies and why it's superior to anything that came before him. Not only is he a better sacrifice, but he's also the true priest. And so the Aaronic priesthood, there's been an administrative change, a transference of that uh, archetype, that Old Testament archetype, and that has culminated now in the office that Christ occupies Mm -hmm. in this office. So Mm -hmm. can you say there's been a change of law? Yes, in a sense, because the priesthood has reached its ultimate culmination now in Christ, mm. yeah. so the biblical authors say this law has been changed.
1: But it's been changed because this was supposed to give way to a greater thing, and, and that's Christ. And this is, and this, uh, thank you for pointing that out because this is important. It's been changed in administration. However, it's not irrelevant. Right. That's very important because we still need Christ and His sacrifice. You still to need take a mediator. <laughs> you still need a yes. blood sacrifice. Yes. So guess what? Like yes. it's like yeah, we don't do the temple anymore. We don't do the priesthood anymore. We don't do the animal sacrifices in Yom Kippurim. We don't do any of that anymore. But guess what? All of it still is relevant today. Today in the new covenant, you still need a blood sacrifice. Yep. Only we have one that's done. It's forever. It's complete forever. And it's able to perfect forever those who draw near to God through him. And we also have a high priest today. You still got a priest. And guess what? You still got a temple today. And guess what? God still demands you to be holy today and separate today. The difference is, is now all those basic building blocks of the old covenant order with that temple in one place and that dying priesthood and the animal sacrifices constantly being repeated and the clothing ritual and the diet ritual, now it's completely transformed, still relevant. Every bit of it is relevant in the new covenant. It's completely transformed and fulfilled into this glorious thing. Yeah, so right? don't miss that. Don't, don't miss, miss
2: the substance. Don't shrink back in unbelief and go back. Right. That's, the mes- that's the message of the author of Hebrews, press yeah. forward in faith because now you have not the shadows, but everything that it pointed to.
3: And so this, I actually responded back to Kay Roach when they asked this question, but, um, I think we've done shows on Hebrew roots. I know we have in the we past, have, yeah. I think, yeah. but this is important because the chat today is, it's like a smorgasbord of questions mm. that are like all over the place. And so if you were in the chat and you asked all kinds of questions, just go to apologiastudios.com studios.com and type in the search bar, uh, what it is you're looking for. And most likely we've we probably answered it. We've already answered it. Um, um so, yeah.
1: Uh, Tracy, you asked a question. Uh, I'll make sure you say, say your name right, Gorika. Um, Hi, I noticed you have tattoos. As a born-again believer, is it okay to get tattoos? I've gotten some looks from fellow church members because I got a Hebrew tattoo on my arm that says Jesus Messiah. Wouldn't happen in our no church. one in our church has tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's answer this question. Um, uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, make sure I get the reference right for because my brain's not working right now. Le- Leviticus, right? 19? Yeah, Leviticus yeah. 19. There you go. Okay, so okay. Uh, the text... Um, Don't mark your body for the dead. Yeah, so uh, very important, because this is, uh, Christians are often abused with this, and this comes down to, I think, all of us having to always make sure we have our commitments to rightly interpreting, rightly handling the Word of God intact and together. And so we got to be very cautious about proof texting. I hope we can be in agreement on that, that we can't just grab verses out of the Bible and just throw them at people and, and say, See, it says this. It's like, well, if you just read the verse ahead and below it, you would see it actually not saying what you're saying. We need to never be in a place where we're like that. I don't ever want to be like that. I don't ever want to be in a place where I'm mishandling God's word because I've got a favorite proof text when it actually doesn't say that. Uh, it's dangerous to handle God's word in that way. So, um, in Leviticus um, 19, that's the popular text.
2: I can Pull it up for
1: you. Yeah. You um, I'm just going to pull up the full thing here. Um, people hear the word tattoo... And they go, okay, um, so that has to do with the body art people are wearing today. Um, I thought it was 1928. Um, my man, my mind is not it's working tw- today. It's 2028. Leviticus 1928. You shall not make any cuts
2: on your body for the dead or yep. tattoo you yourselves. I am the Lord. There you go. So there it is right there. We right can't there. get tattoos, right?
1: Right. So um, notice the context. Read the, read the text about mediums. This is 31, necromancers, do not seek them out, make yourselves unclean by them. Um, and in 28, um, comes right after 26, 27, and it has you know, should not interpret omens or tell fortunes. This is warnings in many places in Leviticus 19 against um, uh, syncretism and adopting the practices of the pagan nations. Now, notice the text itself. 28, you should not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. It's interesting, actually. Um, ancestor worship has been a thing throughout history. It is actually still a thing. It's very popular in Polynesian cultures. Um, you still have to death. Oh, yeah, you still have today in some Polynesian cultures, you have people who, when their are uh, dead relatives, uh, when they die, they, um, they will actually take their ashes, and the black ash, and they will put it into, they'll make it into like an ink, and they'll tattoo um their bodies with the actual ashes of their dead relatives and it's very for them it's a very spiritual thing it has a lot of deep meaning to it the life force of that person lives on through you exactly and so even i i grew up in japan and japanese culture is huge huge on ancestor worship i mean it's like their thing most definitely and um and so it's it exists it is existed in history it still exists there has always been this problem of ancestor worship. It is still prevalent today, but what's being referred to here in Leviticus is the 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 practices of these pagan surrounding nations from their occultic practices to the practices of what they do with their dead relatives and the ancestor worship. So what did they do? Same thing that many of them do today. They would tattoo and cut themselves, mark themselves for the dead. It's in the text. Uh-huh. For the dead. For the dead so this this text cannot be appropriately and consistently applied to someone today using bod, uh, modern body art they, they, uh, they get a picture of their child um, on their arm um, uh, or um, you've got a little angel <laughs> any thing number there. of ones to choose from <laughs> uh, flower uh, Some something number. like that body art it can't be applied because it's not talking about the same thing Luke did you um uh, put any of the ink in your body as a form of ancestor worship no so you didn't cut or mark your body for the dead no so that's not what leviticus is talking about it's specifically referring to a pagan practice that was done then and is done now about ancestor worship and cutting or marking your body for the dead and so it doesn't apply to modern body art now i'm not telling people this is really important as a christian if you don't want to do, do any body art at all at all, like any tattooing at all for the glory of God, then I actually celebrate you. I say, praise God for that. Like, you're doing that for the glory of God. I know your heart's intention behind doing it is to worship and glorify God, so I say praise God for that. But for the person that say does do it, um, these this doesn't apply to them. If they're, you know, getting a, a Jesus fish, or uh, they're putting a verse on their arm, uh, and if somebody says, watch, here's where it goes, they'll say, yeah, but your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Oh boy. Another verse that needs to be read in context. If you go to where Paul says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, what's it specifically in reference to? Sexual immorality. What people do with prostitutes. Joining you to yourself together with a prostitute. Does the principle apply of treating your body as a temple? Yes. But does it have to do with a tattoo? No, it has to do with holiness and not joining yourself together with an unbeliever doing their practices. And just to be honest, the history of tattoos and body art goes far beyond even pagan practices Christians have throughout history tattooed things about Jesus on themselves, crosses, the Jesus fish. uh, What's the technical term? Ithaca? Yeah. Um, You've got, uh, and someone says, yeah, I just don't think you should mark your body. Marking your body is always sinful. Then I would say, then why is the book of Revelation have Jesus coming down with something written on his leg? Right, right. If it's, look. It's a Sharpie. The point is, is, if you say, I think it's just wrong to mark your body. Well, if you're, if you're setting that standard as a p- form of personal piety, you just got to be careful. I'll honor you in it. But you got to be so careful because if you say it's always wrong to mark your body, then you're going to get to the book of Revelation and you're like, oh no. <laughs> oh no, it says he has a mark on his body. Now I understand that it's symbolic and it's a vision, but the point is, is if it's sin to do it, you can't have Jesus doing it or having it. If in principle it's wrong, then you're not going to give that to Jesus as a symbol. You get the point? And so I think this is one of those areas we have to agree with each other. Look, we're going to be okay as Christians. Let's have unity around this. If you don't agree, don't agree. Don't do it to the glory of God. If you do it, then do it to the glory of God. I hope that it's meaningful for you. And... um I hope that you're ready for some pain. Um, There's something to be said for wisdom. Yeah. What are you getting? Why are you getting it? You got to be really careful in terms of, that's a good point, wisdom, like, you know, where you put it, how much you put it. You know, like, sometimes, whether you like it or not, you're not going to get certain jobs. If you go tattooing your face up, and besides, like, you know, (laughs) personally, personally, you know, if you get tattoos all over your face, like, you know, you just got to use wisdom. Is that going to be appropriate or work in every circumstance? Are you going to scare children? You might. And so, um, you know, wisdom should be applied there, but I think we need to be as Christians to say, let's be unified around the essentials. Let's agree to disagree on these things for the glory of God and not let these things be hindrances uh, to um, ministry together.
3: Yeah, and I know you touched on this a little bit. I've been answering this question far longer than you have. Oh, really? (laughs) Oh, he's not, yeah. (laughs) Since I was 18. Um, Yeah, I mean, those... Respectfully, those that are making that objection about the Leviticus passage, like my first response, like you said, is, well, have you eaten shrimp lately? Or, hey, what are you wearing right now? Does your shirt have mixed threads? You know, like if we're going to, if you're going to live by just that one verse, what does the rest of the verses in that passage say? And there's a lot of things that you're probably also breaking. Um, So, yeah. Let's let's be consistent.
1: Uh let's see here. Matt, thank you Matt for that blessing. Uh God What's bless up, Matt. God bless Apologia Radio. Let's cut the head off this wicked giant called abortion and raise his head in victory over the enemies of Christ. Amen. Cool. Amen. Um hey, I want to thank everybody so much for being with us in today's show. Don't forget you can get the live stream. You get the live stream of ReformCon if you um, want to do it. Uh, Please do, and do it quickly, reformcon.org tickets. You can just go purchase it there, but I would recommend actually going to apologiastudios.com. Signing up for the annual all-access, and when you do, you get not only all-access and you're partnering with us in ministry, but you are also going to get the live stream for free. If you're already a monthly partner with us in this ministry... You are helping us bring the gospel into so many areas of the world and more is coming. All glory to God. Uh, but you're going to get 50% off. So if you're already a, a monthly uh, ministry partner with us for all access, you're getting 50% off of the ReformCon live stream. Just check your email. And um, I think that's about it, right?
3: Sorry, I was reading a the question. <laughs> they just keep coming. I think we just answered that, Jacob, earlier. Sorry.
1: Um, what was your question? I if, there's, <laughs> there if, there, yeah, if there's anything else no please come to reform con <laughs> we're not gonna be doing uh apology radio next no, week we won't because we no, will be at reform con no apology radio next week i will we'll be posting live stuff on we'll the platform. Well, no, we'll we're having a live show oh
3: not on thursday though right i think
1: but they're either friday or saturday I'm yeah abortion. something's gonna happen
3: we'll be doing a live show
1: Hey guys, get your get your get your get your tickets for the live stream. Get them, like get them, get them. Um, and I'm looking you, forward you. to seeing all of you guys that show up. This has been a labor of love. Uh, for it's been a lot of work for for the team, and uh, I want to personally thank Pastor Luke and and Christine and Tim, and uh, especially that that crew for all the the work that they've been doing. You guys just don't know how much has gone on behind the scenes to make this all. Uh, make this all a thing, but also make it something that we really want to just do well to the glory of yeah. God and that you really enjoy. Um, and so pray for us, get your live stream, apologiestudios.com get that yearly all access. You're going to get the live stream for free. And uh, for those of you guys, again, that are all access, you get 50% off the live stream. We'd wish you were here with us. If you can't make it, we understand hopefully next time. But uh, we're thankful for all of you guys, and I'll let you guys do. Please pray for us for End Abortion Now. We have some serious stuff right now happening. Uh, states with bills and legislators mm-hmm. ready to drop them next legislative session. We've got teams on the ground ready to go to get these things past hearing stage and voted on. So please be in prayer, because we just have so much work to do in this area. Go to endabortionnow.com, sign your church up, get free training and resources, and please give financially we do need it uh, for this next year's mission that is Luke the bear peace out and also sorry go vote please because Mm
3: -hmm. uh, I mean we have bills that we have men in play that hopefully will be in place that want to put in abolition bills but they got to get voted in so like it's important this election's incredibly important Uh, if you don't think so look at the state of our (laughs) Mm. finances in our nation right now Um, and it's the Baptist Catechism by John Piper, somebody in the chat is yelling at us because we're not answering their question.
1: Baptist Catechism, That's 1689, all. London Baptist Confession of Faith. Just go to, uh, look up, uh, John Piper had pulled together a little good book for it. Just look up John Piper Baptist Catechism. Yep. You'll see super that, that. It's super easy. Google John Piper Baptist Catechism. They, uh, uh, Be- Bethlehem.
3: Bethlehem Zion God. Bethlehem. Zion God, yeah. Zion yeah, God. They,
1: yeah. they put that. I, Literally just look up a
3: Baptist Catechism converter. Right
1: piece up. of cake. When we were trying to put it together, we're like, oh, nope, it's already been done for yep. us. We'll just borrow yours. Um. And so thank you to the Super Chat, Super Chats, Disciple, Chat. K. Roach, Naomi Summers, Jacob Reynolds. Thank you guys for blessing us. All of you guys for praying for us and blessing us in this ministry. I wish we could just do a whole show we we literally just go through comments of people coming to Christ, families coming to Christ, babies being saved. We should do that sometime just so you can see all that you guys are a part of. This is not simply our ministry. It is our ministry. And all these successes are to the glory of God, but it's because of a team of believers who work to make it happen. So thank you guys. God bless you. We'll catch you guys at ReformCon.